Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their 0 to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.fm. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent, it costs half as much as in-house developers. And you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us. We'll give you the first 30 days no risk, and we guarantee being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at OneStop.fm. Let's talk about your SaaS MVP project today. Today we have John McDonald of On the Big Break Software Podcast. John founded Powered by Change, which is an advanced, comprehensive, and powerful business growth platform. Powered by Change is based on the Sunday Times bestselling book, Powered by Change, and its methodologies, and has been incorporated into hundreds of companies all over the world, from startups to multi-billion dollar blue chip organizations. John will tell us how he came up with the idea for his platform, how he funded his MVP, how he gained his first customers, and has navigated his 0 to 30,000 MR journey and beyond. How are you today, John? Good, thanks. It's an absolute honor to be here, Geordie. Pleasure, pleasure to have you on. So uh, let, let's start a little bit, maybe give a quick background on who you are and how you specifically help your solve your customers' problems. Okay, so I've been in business for almost 30 years. And so during that period of time, been you know honored to work with some of the largest and fastest growing companies in the world, from ranging from Lego to Heineken to Unilever to Ikea, and helping them grow from 30 to 40 billion turnover. I did a lot of stuff with Google, a lot of stuff with uh, Amazon and, and Apple. And so I've, I've been really uh, blessed with having a wide range of experience of seeing how the most highly performing companies operate. I've also had nine startups of my own uh, over that 30 year period. So I've applied as many learnings as I can and, and eventually becoming a speaker and an author as well as an entrepreneur, I started to chronicle all of the lessons that I've learned. And mm -hmm. uh, that became the book Powered by Change, which became number one on Amazon, uh, Sunday Times bestseller, one of the fastest ever selling business books, which is, which blew my mind because the four books beforehand, no one really bought. <laughs> so I don't quite understand why that one was the one that everyone wanted. But anyway, so that, that then became Powered by Change, uh, the book. And we then took that from the platform, uh, from the book into a SaaS platform, and then basically just attracted all of the all of the companies around the world and individuals and business coaches even who can use uh -huh. that platform to then accelerate their career using the tricks and tips that basically all of the the shooting stars use but they never tell anyone it's the stuff that you don't learn in business school yeah. or anywhere else that's pretty much how right. okay that's that, what happened that's a great story that's a great story so before were you were a consultant, a private consultant, or you had an agency, or, or how were you helping these businesses yeah. before? Yeah, I, I didn't even know what the term consultant meant because all I was doing was helping other people out. So I was advising companies um, without knowing what the label was. And it was only in 2010 yeah. that someone said, oh, but you've been consulting for, you know, for, for, for 19 years. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I guess, 
I guess, yeah, because, you know, I became the chairman of the music industry in Britain for two years in that period. I, you know, I sold my first company when I was 23 and, and then started advising in the music industry. So I, my, uh, my view was that I wasn't really consulting, which sometimes can be seen as stealing someone's watch and telling them and selling them the time. My mm -hmm. advisory roles were essentially at, um, expanding the way that people think about the realities they're in, whether it's with Apple about how to view iTunes or whether it's you know, eBay on how to buy PayPal and Ministry of Sound, how to franchise their brand around the world or IKEA to become sustainable. These aren't really consulting gigs. It's not kind of the McKinsey KPMG. It's more, right. it's more yeah. a CEO whisperer. Okay, so almost like a blend between coaching and advising and consulting. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. now that yeah. is actually as a SaaS. <laughs> okay, I like it. So this is a great model. So tell me about the what are some of the concepts of powered by change um, from the book? Let's let's start with the book. So you, you say you don't really understand why it became so popular, <laughs> but maybe maybe let's talk about some of the core principles. Um, sure. That that seemed to become that seemed yeah. to resonate with your readers. Well, the 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 premise that if if I were to encapsulate the whole of my career before writing the book, I wrote the book in 2018. Up until 2018, the whole of the business landscape to me looked like the Chinese proverb, which is, "When the winds of change are blowing, some build a wall, and others build a windmill." And mm -hmm. what I noticed across those years and what I chronicled in Power Change were that, was that there were very, very, very many wall builders hoping that change would pass, that these things of uncertainty around us would somehow lapse uh, or move on. And, and there were very few windmill builders. And a lot of people would look up to the Fortune 10 or Fortune 20 and say, how do they get there? What's, what, is it, what is it that the first trillion dollar company is doing that we're not doing? Is it because they have a bank full of cash? Is it because they've got a famous brand? And the answer is no. It's because they're building a windmill, functionally building a windmill. And how one builds a windmill, uh, and in the book Powered by Change, is based on four different blades, four blades of a windmill. To enable change okay. to be used as a fueling mechanism, you need four different blades. And that's what I've noticed over helping 45% of the Fortune 500 and also my own startups. Those four blades are purpose, which is, in other words, what it is that you're really truly in the business of doing as a human and as a company, really truly, not what it says above mm -hmm. the door, what you're really in the business of. Then people, who you are as a person, who you are with other people and who you are as a community and the alignment of the purpose to those people. And then the product, which is also the service in terms of whether it is a mirror or a candle in terms of emitting light. Is it something that you are a sole fiefdom, a sole silo, or are you a reflector? And there's all different models inside that. And then finally process, which is how the whole thing stitches together. And so I created the book structure on the four blades of purpose people, products and process using possibly as many as a thousand case studies across that book and then gave the book, of course, to all of the people who featured in it. I mean, the foreword of the book was written by the chief exec of Ikea. So that they then looked at the book and said, wow, well, we're really nailing the people part and the purpose part, but we are actually leaving a lot on the table in terms of the product due to the fact that we've got suboptimal processes. So all of these companies started using Powered by Change as a toolkit long before it became a SaaS. So they, they, the companies decided to use it as a, as a SaaS in their, own, in their own invention. And now, of course, okay. that, that, that led us to where we are now. 
So you were seeing some of your bigger clients that were starting to implement this as a SaaS. How do you mean that they were putting it? They were just sort of putting it in into their sort of corporate SOPs or, or what kind of yeah. So IKEA, for instance, created an online tool called the Speedboat Team uh, because inside Power by Change, one of the many models is called Speedboat Oil Tanker. And the speedboat team that IKEA created was an online uh, innovation platform for their staff to actually be part of a speedboat innovation program rather than going slow in the oil tanker. And so these SaaS components, which were essentially not involving me needing to physically be there, they were online only, they were software, albeit wonky, kind of stuck together bits and pieces with no real symbiotic uh, synergy, but they were software nonetheless. And, um, and so when I started to look at these different pieces, different kind of programs, sometimes running in a Google Sheet, sometimes running as a, as a visual basic macro in a spreadsheet, I was like, yeah, I think there's, there may be some options here, but I didn't necessarily do that massive amount of work first. My co-founder, uh, a lady called Christy, uh, she and I were both at the time advising a FinTech in Australia and she, when I told her about what was going on with these companies using it and everything, she said, listen, this has to be made into a SaaS, proper SaaS. And I said, I have no experience at all in creating a SaaS. I have none. I'm a thinker and an author and a speaker and an advisor. I'm not a developer of a platform. And she said, well, I am. <laughs> so, so she convinced me and she eventually flew to London with poweredbychange.com as a kind of a mock-up and she opened her laptop in a cafe in London, turned her laptop around and said, this is what your book looks like as a platform. And uh, and then the rest is history. <laughs> okay, that's great. So she, she is, is she, uh, was she a CTO of your company or was she, where, what was She's, she doing? Was she a so client or? Products, no, no, she, she was, she was the, uh, an agile scrum master project manager for this FinTech and I was running the strategy. So um, okay. she's super kind of detailed on, on how process works and how to create agile right. frameworks and tools and stuff. I have no okay. knowledge in that area. <laughs> right, right. So that's great. So that's how you, that's how the, um, you and the technical co-founder came together. Is she also a developer or is she mostly just on the product side? Just the product side. So then we, we hired okay. a developer, bespoke developer. So we didn't go to an agency. We bought it in-house. And, um, and yeah, he's the third and only person in the company to this day. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so there's the three of you there. Three, three people. Okay, okay, you're running seriously lean, so that's great. Yeah, and we don't yeah. pay ourselves, we don't, there's no, there's no, you know, we, every single drop of profit goes back into developing the platform. Okay, that's great. And you mentioned before the show you have some other services, it sounds like, we'll get into that more. Yeah. You, you have some cash flow coming from yeah. workshops and things like that, yeah. so... Um, when we get into funding of the MVP, yeah. which is an important part of the show, yeah. um, I do want to hear about that part of the yeah. story. So, so that's great. So you're you're essentially just you're getting you you've met your your I guess soon to be CTO. Did she leave her job then and come and work for you? So I would say she's probably more head of product. Uh, we call her the product, okay. the product manager, the product owner. Uh, we don't really have official okay. titles because there's only three of us. <laughs> so she's the yeah. product product owner. I'm the author, and uh, and and uh, Mitch is our developer. But yeah, she um, she was freelance anyway. So we were both advising the fintech, 
And okay. and so she, you know, increasingly we we both kind of started to move away from advising other companies and uh, and building powered by change. At the same time, we still can can moonlight. Um, whatever you call it, uh, they're kind of the do, do stuff on the side, side hustles. I'm deeply involved uh, in the crypto world. So uh, and helping bring in brand new blockchain to market. So there's there's she I think she's been doing some advisory on a bank. But the power by change platform now is kind of self running. Uh-huh. And it grows yeah. um, exponentially every week without us doing very much at all. Largely, I think due to mm. the fact that the book is still on fire selling wise. And also every, you know, most of the biggest brands in the world now have used parts of the components, if not all of them. And so it's it mm-hmm. kind of snowball effects. And um, but it, is, it's, it seems like an overnight success. But as Steve Jobs said, you know, every overnight success takes at least 10 years. Yes, it sounds it sounds like this is uh, this very uh, applicable in, in your situation where you've yeah. been working as a coaching advisor for 20 years and then you implemented these these principles that you've been uh, telling to your clients so uh, tell me about the MVP then so so she flips around her laptop she showed you a mock-up and you and you you liked it right away I mean was it perfect or no with her iterations <laughs> or how does that work yeah I mean there was some it was basically the mock-up was kind of like done as bits and pieces of a kind of a Google sheet linked with a kind of a database and a it was wonky in a good way, I'm saying this with gratitude, but it was wonky. And there was bits that weren't actually right. So there were bits of the book that weren't, that, that didn't work as a platform. So like there's whole structures of the book that sounded great in theory, but you can't translate that into something that's workable online. So it was a bit of a head spinner. And yeah. we, um, it, we knew that what we had to do was just get something live so that people could test it. And then actually not even assume that we were going to be correct. We knew that the, the first MVP was always going to be quote unquote wrong. Um, but our view is that failure and the word wrong and, and even fear and comparison, I'd add to that, are fictions that, that we weren't interested, aren't interested in. So we were like, well, let's just release it um, as a beta. And with a huge disclaimer that we don't really know whether this is going to be all changed or some parts changed. And mm. to be honest with you, the whole of this year, and we, we know we only launched it at the beginning of this year, we, we've probably changed maybe 10%, but 90% of it is, is rock solid. But then what we have done is realize that there's a whole range of iterations that clients need that we didn't think of. Um, mm. Really, really fundamental stuff. And they're like, well, can it do X, Y, and Z? And we're like, yeah, I guess it could do. And then we ask, you know, a dozen other companies, would you like us to add this on? And they're like, 100%. We're like, would you like, would you pay more if we added this on? 100%. It's like, all right. So now we, now we start building, we start building that iteration, yeah. you know, which is fat, which is fine, you know. Yeah, no, that's great. This is, this is, it sounds like we're capturing you right at the, the perfect time for some of our listeners that are really interested in that zero to 30,000 journey. Cause you mentioned before the show, you were just sort of reaching that goal, which I think is great. Congratulations, because from my perspective and the show's perspective, 30,000 is sort of where you're really starting to fit product market fit. And, yeah. and then you can start scaling and it sounds like you'll probably be needing to hire some more engineers. <laughs> no um, kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> one guy is not going to be able to build these new iterations. We're, we're having those, we're having those yeah. conversations on a daily basis right now. <laughs> 
That's great. And we'll get into that later in the show, your first hires and things. Yeah. So the MVP then, you, how much did it cost and how long did it take to build? So we self-funded it and we probably spent, so with, with our developer, we cut him in on the revenue. So we didn't actually pay him any money. We cut him in on the revenue and asked him to take a, take a punt. Okay. So it cost and how was that conversation? Because I've had those conversations before. That quite, I mean, it's quite difficult to ask a developer yeah. to not take any. He, he really has to buy into the vision. Totally. Of the, I mean, he yeah. probably wouldn't have, so bought in, yeah, he wouldn't have bought into it if there weren't already customers that were... I mean, you know, I've been, from, from, from doing what I've done for, for almost three decades, I have a black book yeah. of kind of 8,500 senior executives. And, you know, I spent six years off and on with Apple and five years off and on with Ikea and stuff. So there's, there's an address yeah. book of demand, if you like. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't think we could get away with doing that again with, um, you know, for the future iterations. We need to actually properly invest. But right at the beginning, the MVP, we, you know, they're filing the patents, trademark, hosting costs and all that kind of stuff we paid for it out of our own pocket and um and we we did that with a i think it was because we we didn't want to create a business plan that promised anything to an external developer um, and we also wanted to um because i've raised you know nine figures from the city over my lifetime so i understand the, the journey of that and the you know the what control looks like once you're actually owned by someone else especially if you're new right it's like you just come into market and and you're not actually making the, the full decisions. So we were kind of, you could call it slightly confident, hopefully not arrogant, but we were believed in it enough to believe it enough to say, well, we'll put our own money in. And for those listening who think, well, that's okay for you because you probably had some money. We did this really lightweight. So, you know, even if we had paid our developer, it would not be high five figures. This would be low five figures. And so it's kind of almost a couple of credit cards and a bit of a bank loan worthy. Um, it's down to whether or not so you're talking you, yeah. like, is it sort of 10, 20,000 pounds or yeah. something like that? Yeah, I'd say that's and, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, that's a good MVP. Um, we usually recommend to our clients when we build MVPs somewhere in the two and a half to three and a half month range, you know, yeah. and, and we launch without payment gateways sometimes we're doing <laughs> manual reporting you yep, know so that was us totally dude yeah. that was that was it's, exactly that's exactly it you get it i mean your what your company does i mean you know I, th I think that your the one shop um solution uh basket that you have uh frankly if i'd <laughs> if we had found you a year ago we, we would have used you to do this because we um we it was extremely difficult doing what we did and it could have been mm. short-circuited by using a company like yours yeah no, okay that's great to hear um so and how long did it take so you probably around three month mark or so yeah probably well actually no christy yeah. would, christy would hate me for saying that okay the truth is it probably took a year like most of 2020 and she would probably argue that it kind of kicked in at the end of 2019 so we we could have we could have probably done two or three months but because we were doing it all ourselves and with one developer uh, and iterating the product and testing it with clients at the same time. We were building something, going to a client saying, what about this? Uh, no, no, that's that's useless. There's no one, no one, none of us would ever use that. Oh, okay. So we go back that this week, if we lived again, oh, it's all good. There's no regret, but it should have been two to three months and it probably took one, maybe one and a half times, but twice as long, at least in terms of the real proper dev. Uh, and then about nine months on top of of kind of being really indecisive we were we were maybe too 
pedantic about trying to get stuff exactly what people wanted. We could have actually just said, listen, this is 1.0. Uh, it's got 25% of the features that you want, but you know, <laughs> and, and what we actually wanted to do was launch with 80% of the features that people wanted. And we actually hit it on 90% of the features, but we could have came to, we could have come to market almost a year earlier. Okay. That's interesting. Now, how are you getting customer feedback? Were you reaching out to your clients and saying, Hey, we're th here's a mock-up. Would you yeah. use this? Is that what you were doing? Yeah. 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 And we just okay. did that hundreds of times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and how many customers were you reaching out to to get feedback? Probably less than, certainly less than 12. So a couple okay. of handfuls. So, so you had sort of a beta, you had a beta group that was giving you some, some feedback. Yeah. Um, how did you get that feedback? Was it like in Slack or something? or just? Uh, no, it was emails. <laughs> so emails okay. and Zoom calls. So with okay. Ikea, for instance, I ran most of the iterations through uh, the chief exec um, because he was writing the forward. He wrote the forward to the book, sorry. And he's yeah. already used most of the methodologies empowered by change. So I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, Ikea is the largest private company in the world. And, um, right. no, and I, great. you know, and so bearing in mind that the largest private company in the world uses poweredbychange.com, kind of I knew that we had if we could make it so that that story was intact like with his rubber stamp the forward to the book we're on the testimonials you know he's he's quoted in online uh, and in the press and on TV by saying that he backs this then we're like that's yeah that's yeah. enough so we need to so that was yeah. a lot of back and forth with him I did mm -hmm. the same with uh, with the guys from uh, Unilever and Procter and Gamble uh, so John Turner, who is the P&G head of innovation, largest largest branding firm in the world, uh, these guys spend two billion euros a year on R and D, right? So I was back and forth with John just before he retired, just kind of making sure that that what we were doing would be good enough for the largest branding firm in the world. Mm -hmm. And then we did the right. same with a whole bunch of startups, with one person, mm -hmm. two person shops, and saying, listen, mm -hmm. if you were if you were starting from scratch, which of these tools would you like? And then when we got the harmony between small and big, and then everyone saying, we want this, when can we start, can we start now? Can we sign up now? And then we're like, okay, now's the time. And then it just went yeah. like a rocket. Okay, <laughs> that's great too. And it sounds like maybe COVID had something to do with it as well, because maybe you had some, some time where you were at home and you couldn't go out and where you might be giving workshops or speaking, you're at home and you're... Your totally. product designers at home as well. And totally. people, I've got. I'm doing nothing. We may as well, you know, yeah. may as well get this product uh, written up. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to say. I mean, due to the, the the disaster that COVID is to many people's lives and, and the illnesses that have happened, I could never be grateful um, too overtly about COVID. But right. I'd be lying to say that. Um, that it didn't COVID play a factor. Productive for you. It yeah. was productive for us, but and and, and yeah. if I if COVID hadn't happened, then I would have not had the energy and time to to invest into this, and Christy yeah. probably wouldn't either. So it would have probably taken longer, or we wouldn't have been so pedantic about getting feedback. So we maybe have taken shorter time. So I'm not mm -hmm. quite quite sure which way it would have landed, but either way around, it 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 was fortuitous for us with respect of the people whose who's, who's businesses and lives have been affected by. Generally, when people are starting a project like this, they put together a business plan. And I imagine there's some assumptions in the business plan. And, and um, can you can you walk me through your business plan? Like, Jordi, how, I'm gonna be, how big did you... 
yeah. we didn't oh, create boy. one, mate. Oh, we didn't create Oh, you did, really? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're shooting my theory. <laughs> I know. And even as you were asking the question, I was like, I could actually just lie and say that we, I could, you know, but I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. So, um, yeah, I, I've written thousands, not thousands. I've written dozens, if not hundreds of business plans in my life. So the, yeah. it, I guess the business plan was inferred in my head anyway. And Christy and I right. tallied this back and forwards. Um, but the components of the plan was essentially taking from a, uh, objective strategy tactics tools platforms and channels that type of business plan um, <clears throat> the objective was was absolutely blatant for us we wanted to create the most advanced the most comprehensive the most powerful business growth platform ever created on earth so that was the objective <laughs> okay that's really, I mean that's great to have it sounds like big goals but with your pricing, did you you must have had some ideas on pricing and and numbers of the market and totally. so we if we could just yeah what yeah. so starting out like well, how is your pricing going to be yeah um, was it going to be by per user in the company so say for like IKEA everyone that uses it you charge fifteen pounds or something yeah. so and, yeah yeah the pricing yeah, the pricing walk me through yeah. walk, first of all walk me through the pricing and how big you thought the market was to use this. And whether when you developed those numbers, did you hit them or did you surpass them or did you did you have to make changes along the way? Yeah, all of the assumptions were wrong, um, which which is, <laughs> which is normal. but uh, we have a tolerance inside the numbers. So I'll tell you what I mean by that. So from bitter personal experience, uh, what I've learned over the years is that um, whatever you assume, um, you should you should assume that things are going to take three times longer three times longer to gain traction, three times longer to come to market, three, whatever. Assume that, that it's going to cost you double what you thought it was going to cost you. And it's going to make half as much as you thought. And if you half can, yeah, and if you can run yeah. the model on half the income, twice the cost and taking three times as long, you're golden. Mm -hmm. So that was okay. just something I'd learned from bitter personal experience, right? So, so okay. we applied that immediately. What we also did incorrectly but you know we wouldn't who would have known is that we started with a price that was enormous so the price was was like like horrible like 500 pounds per, per user per month and the <laughs> we, we we thought well actually you know 500 pounds per user if a company is a user then that's great right but it turns out that's not the use case that people wanted every individual person wants to have their own user interface with the platform because all the tools are unique to you so if you're on a board of six directors, each of those six directors would have an account with Powered by Change and they'd use Powered by Change in their own different um, configuration. So that all of a sudden, 500 pounds a month didn't make too much sense when you're dealing with companies that are below SME. So when you're talking to a company with a 200,000 pound turnover, it turns out that 6,000 of that, out of the profit, a 200,000 pound turnover with let's say 20% net, you know, out of the 40 grand, taking, Taking over fifteen percent like of that for a SaaS is, is kind of kind of hairy. So it didn't it's a work. Tall ask, yeah. yeah. So it's we, a it tall didn't ask, work. Yeah. The numbers didn't work. So so we, we screwed that. <laughs> we reduced the price. Like fell the price off a cliff like by twenty to eighty percent down. So now there's hundred pounds a month per user fee, which seems to be absolutely lapped. Everyone likes that because it's twelve hundred dollars, twelve hundred pounds a year. If you're a company that's that's got a forty grand, sixty grand net, then you know twelve hundred is 
you can you can buy it you know but when you when when it's no. when it's like five times that people weren't going so that was one thing in terms of the addressable market size we thought that we were going to go initially to business coaches not businesses or business professionals business coaches and business coaches were going to be our uh, go-to-market mechanism so we sell it into the coaches and advisors and consultants they then bring their clients on so it's a b2b2b right and the majority of coaches weren't interested because <laughs> they were like, we've got our own tools. And we're like, no, but this is different. Okay. This is different. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, but we, we're fine. So then we quickly pivoted into having business coaches and business professionals. And then all of a sudden, all the business professionals like, fine, I mean, you know, we don't, you know, we can, we can use this directly. Another thing we, we didn't get right. So we'd, we'd modeled everything on business coaches on a B2B2B. And now it's a B2B. So even though there's a B2B2B, the, the model. Another third thing that we totally misjudged was we created a, a ream of quizzes. So on powerbychange.com, if you click on any button, you're going to end up with a quiz that qualifies you or you know disqualifies you to different parts of the toolkit. And we probably have like maybe 1% of people do the quizzes. And we spent a month creating those bloody things. <laughs> it was like... Why? Why? You know, we thought that maybe people would want to kind of understand how the platform works by going through an analysis process, kind of question and answer process. And actually, you know what the reality is? No one does. People want to start it and it work. And they don't want to start. They don't want to kind of be philosophical about stuff that, you know, and so we spent too much time on quizzes, thought that business, we relied too much on business coaches as the sole GTM. And we priced it five times too too high. Okay, so you're at a hundred pounds now per month. It sounds like it's not really per user; it's for for a company. So when I was saying user, sometimes there's some plans that are like you know they'd save twenty twenty pounds per user inside the company, and so that so you would actually want to go for someone that had fifty users in their company. And then that would become a, you know, a 3000 pound account or something. Yeah. So, um, so actually the, the way it works is this. So we have the business coach version. We have the business professional version, which is individuals, even if they're inside a company. And then in a few months time, we're launching the company solution, which will have a different pricing structure. It will be higher based on your turnover and the volume of employees you have. And so it'll work a bit more like Salesforce. So there'll be, okay. it, the yield would be greater but the net per user will be lower. So in other words, if you have a company with 3,000 staff, you're not gonna be paying 3,000 times 100. You may be paying a quarter of that per staff, but okay. you buy as a bulk of users. So that company solution, so we've got the coaches solution, the personal solution, mm -hmm. business professionals, and then we'll have the company mm -hmm. solution coming out, and then we've okay. got the full, the full house. Okay, and so that sounds like there would be no way that you could have come up with that pricing plan until you had gotten into the wild and so you had this crazy 500 pound uh, a month for per company that didn't work out you yeah. lowered it to what you thought your your users yeah. um, could handle and then you've sort of massaged as as you've gone totally um you know as you've as you sold basically yeah. your sales team or you know whoever you're well there's no sales team there's no sales team so yeah. it's us it's, it's us so. sounds like it's you yeah yeah so so yeah. so the and yeah you're right the key the key message there geordie is correct the you know there's no way we would have known what the right price is until we actually went live and learned um you have to really swallow quite a bit of pride um as a SaaS developer SaaS um offering because unless you're uh, established 
and you're, you know, let's say you're Salesforce or your or Monday.com, and you know, you know, you know what the what's going to happen, or you can basically copy and paste your competitors' um, product. There's no competitor product to this, which is a blessing and a curse. The blessing is that because it's so bespoke to my experience of 30 years, we can't copy someone else's business model. But on the other hand, we needed to to be quite um, humble and say to people, you know, there was the first ever customer who bought who did pay 500 um, we, we um, made sure that when we switched the pricing that they had um, the next four months free of charge so <laughs> it's harmonized down to them um, and you know we we were really also we didn't have a free trial so um, I forgot to mention at the beginning you had to pay 500 to get through the gate so in untested like something that no one had ever used before you haven't used before, you haven't experienced, you give your credit card and 500 pounds and then you're allowed in to test it. No way, mm -hmm. no way. Did you have to change it? Did you, yeah. I mean, aside from changing the price, you had to, you realized that you had to give a free trial. Totally, so then that, that required a re-architecture of the entire payment system because the payment system was the gateway to, uh, to kick off the tool. So uh, it's just a nightmare, a nightmare. So anyway, we got yeah. there, we got there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. So um, tell me about the first few customers. Um, it sounds obviously like you went to Ikea and some of these beta users that you had. Is that is that how you did it? You basically launched the 12 um, beta users? To be honest with you, we, we thought that we were so convinced that the business coaches, the advisors to those companies would be our grow to market. Even though I have direct in, in uh, direct inroads to those companies and we use them for our beta, our view was to go to market in terms of not just those the 12 that of course, you know, they use our tools anyway, but but widening to the the rest of the world was going to be through the coaches. So we spent hours and hours and hours speaking to the coaches about this. Business coaches all over the world. I did conferences for business coaches, guest speaking slots and yeah, it was. It it just didn't, you know. The, for the first kind of real traction came from a couple of coaches with a couple of clients, but then we turned on the business professional thing and said to any business in the world, any company, any person rather, any person inside a company, whether it's your company, just you, or you and six people, whatever it is, you can now access Power by Change without having to have an advisor advise you for it. That was a that was a huge moment in time. Uh, also, Action Coach. Um, which is one of the largest coaching networks in the world, owned by a guy called Brad Sugars. Action Coach are really protective over um, what their coaches can use. So I spent quite a while looking, uh, helping Brad and working with Brad as to how Action Coach could use Powered by Change in a non-competitive way. He then eventually said, I buy it. This is something that all of our coaches can use. There's a thousand coaches globally. And so then I did the global summit for Action Coach and then spoke about Powered by Change, gave them a free trial, and then the coaches part worked. So yeah. none of this I would have known beforehand, I'd a guess. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, that's great. Um, so so you, started, you started with these first users. Tell me how this, pro so in this podcast, we generally break down the zero to 30,000, zero to 5,000, five to 15, and then 15, to 30 and beyond how did how did the zero to five thousand part go for you and how long because it sounds like you just launched this year yeah this, this is q1 september yeah q1 this yeah. year yeah. so so <laughs> yeah so you do i mean it sounds like very good growth um zero to thirty thousand in nine months is great especially if you're bootstrapped and so how was the zero to five thousand like how long did that take a nightmare so zero to five thousand took 
three quarters of that time, and then the rest has happened in the last five weeks. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So tell me about this. So tell me, I'm, I'm most interested about the zero to 5,000. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. So, the, I mean, firstly, we'd priced it wrong. The offering didn't have a trial. We'd gone to the wrong customers. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's break that down. So let's these are the different phases. How long did it take you to realize you had the price wrong? That sounds to me like something that should take a few weeks after it took, just getting rejected. It took it took it took, it took three or four weeks, and then it was kind of a okay. week a week or two of kind of rebuilding the Stripe integration. Um, it was slightly more complicated than changing just the price from five to one because all of the copy was five hundred. Our entire model was based. on everything so yeah about four to six weeks in total to reverse engineer that then going back out to the customers who said no at 500 and say would you say yes to 100 so which isn't a good and look did they uh, some no but 20 percent 15 percent so we kind of i don't know how we would have done that differently but it was really hard to make the first the first amount of money it just was it, it was compound because going to coaches directly for the coaches to then bring their clients on means we were one step away from the real sales process. Whereas now, then when we tweaked it, pivoted so we could actually go directly to individual people and say anyone in the world can use Power by Change, exponentially raised our addressable market by a factor of 100. So, and 100x, I mean. So, so you know, yeah. now I'm in I'm in entrepreneurial communities with 126,000 members, and I'm doing podcasts, and we're getting you know you can get from that five or six thousand people go into the go into the free trial, and you have maybe a 10% conversion into a paid customer. So you can see the you can see the run rate, and that's easy to get to your 30 30,000 MMR. So we had a probably a too long a time to get to the 5,000, and too short a time to get to the MR um, target. Mm-hmm. But we don't we I was. Uh, and still do supplement this the 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 monthly run rate is is based on a made well the SaaS part but also I do workshops talks online uh training online and obviously there's books as well linked to it the I don't see in my head I don't kind of bring those revenue streams into the SaaS view so I see powerbychange.com mm-hmm. as its own you know this next year 2022 power by change will turn over 1.9 to 2.6 million pounds so that it's a kind of a modest SaaS business it's not it's not you know it's not something that's you know no. it's not it's not no, sales for his second year is pretty good it's, no for yeah. his second year and there's no right, there's no debt bootstrapped again yeah and there's no debt yeah, inside right. it right so and you know yeah. we, we haven't still we haven't paid anyone we don't we haven't yeah. you know because we, we we funnel everything back into making the better <laughs> now we've learned all the other stuff we need to build um right. but, but i think i think you know we're we're the run rate is is more is good but now we're looking at you know do we do we actually bring investment in we have a a machine that evidently works uh the testimonials are great the the the, the product is robust uh and in demand we have a roadmap that, that we can see quite clearly how to build that business. So would we actually achieve a better acceleration by bringing in external money? And if we were to bring in external money, make it smart rather than easy, smart money rather than easy money. And if it was smart money, what would we do with it? Um, uh, would we actually invest heavily into sales teams, uh, regional commercial managers? And I think that's mm-hmm. probably the right way forward. We're building the objective of this is to be a pervasive accelerating tool for any business person in the world and we want it to be as pervasive as as people use zero for accounting that's our view we want to be the zero version in business acceleration platforms so to get to zero level 
Mm-hmm. I think we we certainly, and this moves us into the hiring conversation, of course, but we can't do it on our own. And uh, right. and I think we probably need more money than the, you know, it's great to have, you know, a kind of, you know, a couple, 10, uh, 10 or 20,000 or, 30, you know, or more in profit per month. But mm-hmm. if we needed to, to get a proper team of salespeople, for instance, and team of developers, we're going to need 90 to 150 grand a month to pay them. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's not going to come, that's not going to come until like this time next year. And this time next year, we may not even get to this time next year as fast as we need to if we don't actually invest now. So that's where we're, that's the conversations we're talking about, right, as we speak. So you're starting to actively go out and, and speak with angels or VCs and... Kind of. We're doing it really subtly. I and mean, I've got a whole list of VCs and angels up my sleeve from my past uh, past you know, mm-hmm. experiences. But I'm not sure if I should even say this publicly, but hell, I'll say it anyway. Um, I'm, I, try and res- I try and resist to get external cash. Really, like, massive. <laughs> but, if, mm. you know, but if there is a company that, that could look at it as a, a revenue share opportunity rather than an equity opportunity, if there was a... Mm a way of doing this that could be more um, smart. Um, mm-hmm. What we don't want is, is, a, is a PE uh, or a VC that comes in and restructures it. We end up with 20% and, and they then mm-hmm. run the thing. We're, we're doing so, this yeah, differently. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe a note, a sort of convertible note. A convertible, like that. yeah. That, makes, yeah. that sits better yeah. in my stomach, yeah. Yeah, because there are, there are definitely companies out there. I, I can send you, and I'll put in the show notes some, some ideas for that because I know there's some really good ones. Thank um, you. Six or 7% interest still. So interest is not like a, um, but they're used to the SaaS, you know. Good. They're used to SaaS model, so they're alone. And it sounds like you're meeting their qualifications. Yeah. So. Well, we're getting to close to the end of, end of the show, but if you could say right now where you're at and you could go back to yourself, say, a year ago, what would you tell yourself, uh, what would you advise yourself uh, from a year ago? You're just sitting in that cafe with your, um, you know, your co-founder. What would you tell yourself back then from what you've learned over the last 12 months? Uh, firstly, everything you know is wrong, which is <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> what you yeah, what yeah. you what, what you launch with isn't going to be the thing that you end up really properly selling. So that's all right too. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, secondly, I think we could have. I'm, I'm I'm tossing up between saying launch quicker uh, and more basic. Uh, whereas we okay. launched we were launched with so many features. Like in Power yeah. by Change, if you, anyone listening wants to go to powerbychange.com, put in a credit card and then cancel it after a few weeks of trying out at least. You, you're not going to get charged mm-hmm. in the trial, but you'll yeah. see that, that there's an entire training course of how to become accredited in Power by Change that you go through mm-hmm. that it's like, it's just like an entire degree's worth of... Anyway, there's, we've probably over-engineered stuff that we could have made simpler at the beginning. But on the other hand... One of the reasons why people are addicted to it is because it's it's a fully bells and whistles type thing. So, but we could have come to market faster. So yeah. I would I would probably tell myself if I knew you know this time last year I'd have said you know are you or even this time two years ago where Christy would say that we really started this at least in her head. Well, I'd already written the book. Um, I think yeah. I think we could have launched quicker. Glad we didn't get good for you for not taking money what you launch is not going to be even the 1.1 version so get ready to eat your own children and also you're correct in not listening to other people's advice from other uh, fr- from competitor 
platforms because we first went to competitive platforms or what who could have been competitive so business acceleration platforms business tools you know data viz mm -hmm. uh, stuff and all of them were like nah this there's no market here we've already got all the market there's no there's no margin left all the cake has already been divided and i'm glad that i said i don't buy that i, I think we can make an even bigger cake and uh, i'm glad that we we had the confidence as i said rather than arrogance to say we're going to do this anyway and i don't really care whether or not anyone else believes in it because mm. it's going to happen and then we just put our head yeah. down bums up f uh, fast forward that's it right okay to summarize then it would be launch quicker with less features to get it out into the wild so that you could hear your users and give and get their feedback that's it that would be one ignore the competition ignore yeah. you know like is this friends and family as well like saying oh you can't do that or, yeah or everyone say it just yeah no everyone okay, so yeah everyone say, any yeah. detractors <laughs> any detractors yeah yeah <laughs> just stay positive ignore the people and then was there one more in there um, the other one There's i think three things I, so. yeah i think the third one is um don't necessarily immediately raise capital if you can't fund it yourself oh that's right okay that's very that's important yeah so don't raise don't raise if you can avoid it just and the reason that that is smart is because when you do go to raise you're valued much higher you have you're you're playing from a much stronger position yeah. as well so the vcs are coming to you and rather than you like yeah you know begging yeah so they're pitching they pitch they advice. pitch yeah, yeah they're, they're pitching yeah. the platform and going please please let us give give you our yeah. money and you've yeah. got customers and you've got data and then you're you know you go to the vcs and you're in a much stronger position that's it. if you want to raise yeah. um so i think yeah. that's very good advice well thank you so much for your time today john i've really enjoyed it sounds like a, a great success story and we look forward to keeping in touch um, is there anything else you'd, you'd like to leave our listeners with before we leave uh, any ways uh, well, as they can uh, reach out yeah. to you or find your products? Yeah, John, J-O-N at poweredbychange.com or jonathanmcdonald.com. Uh, watch the spelling of McDonald. It's spelled M-A-C, like the kings of Scotland as opposed to the fast food restaurant. Yeah, yeah please do keep uh -huh. in touch. Try, try poweredbychange.com, but also do look at your platform, Geordie, the platform you're involved with. Uh -huh. and, and the. I think that the, it might seem that outsourcing developing development services for SaaS uh, looks like you're losing control or um, you're, you're, you know, you're running the risk of, of being in unsafe hands. Uh, in actual fact, uh, you can get to market much faster sometimes using resources like yours. And so that's what yeah. I'd like to close with by saying thanks for doing what you're doing, because I believe you're adding real value to the world. Fair enough. Thanks. That's the, and, and you can always start with a company like ours and then bring it in house, but we can launch you, you know, something exactly. not we, but other, other SaaS specialists. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's great advice. Thanks so much, John. Thanks mate. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the big break software podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner. <music>